All right, it's the Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 47. I am back from Dallas, and with me always is Richard and Roy. Good evening, everyone. This is Rich. I am still in St. Louis. I'm not back from anywhere. And I am the other brother, Daryl. This is Roy in Michigan. Yeah, I've left there. Still there, huh? Nope. Still there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, I got back from um, Con Sim World Dallas, the, the, the inaugural one. And, um, you know, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I spent some time going all over Dallas. Like, whenever I go to a town i don't know i don't know maybe if you guys do this or not like i'm always interested to go to like the local gaming stores yes oh yeah definitely. that's fun yeah yeah what do you guys look for when you go to a gaming store in a new town um mm. i mean honestly war games but those are hard to find there's not that many gaming stores that really carry a lot of good war games but i don't know i mean the last one i went to was that was an out-of-town gaming store was in columbia missouri because i was there for my daughter at mizzou and um there's a real nice one there called valhalla games that's you know it's 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 clean everything looks nice they have a nice selection not war games but they have good stuff there I, you know i tend to look for uh minis i guess because my flgs does not carry minis so i'll, I'll look through and see if there's anything that looks interesting and uh, look at their role-playing games and see if there's anything, well, once again, that's interesting. But I'll just, I'll probably browse all of it. I'll even look at all the rocketry stuff. So you guys kind of look for stuff that you don't, you, would, you wouldn't normally see. Yes. Okay, yeah, you wouldn't normally yeah. see. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, it's definitely, uh, I'm like looking for a, de- uh, for a deal. I think is is mm-hmm. like my my big thing is I'm looking um, for a deal. So I mean I mean doing this show you should be able to listen to this show and uh, oh yeah I guess I should say hi to you know the new people that came from Con Simberl, uh because we had about fifteen twenty new followers today. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't think so. Anyway. Um, and hopefully you're listening to this. Well, maybe you listened to the last show, like on your way home and whatever. Anyway, so um, I, I go and I, I'm looking for a deal because, I mean, I do this show. My my local store has a ton of stuff. You know, I keep mi- miniature market in business, too. I'm familiar with everything, pretty much. So what I want to go in is I want to go in and be like, okay, where is the sale aisle? Where's the half price bin? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. And, uh, yeah, so that's what I look for. And I kind of, what did you say? I just living, you know, 10 or 20 minutes from Miniature Market where I can just go pick up stuff and don't have to pay shipping, I'm not going to find a better deal than that or anywhere. But, like I said, mostly I'm just looking for stuff maybe that Miniature Market wouldn't carry. Like, Miniature Market doesn't carry MMP at all. So maybe I'd look for something like that. Sure. I, you know, I, I kind of tend to do the same thing, too, is because I, I got a great deal with my FLGS because I'm a member, and so I get a pretty deep discount, which is probably competitive with online uh, prices. And so, like, I'll walk through the aisle, like, well, that looks kind of cool. I bet I can get that at home for a lot cheaper. So, <laughs> but you know, if somebody's demoing a game, I'll, I'll demo a game, and then I'll go home and buy it at home. Yeah. Which I did once, which is not, I don't know, I guess not that great of a thing to do, but whatever. Well, I mean, I. 
you know, I pretty much do the same. You know, I would go in looking for something, something different. And, like, I saw a couple of things on this trip that I had never seen in person. And um, that was kind of cool. But I didn't end up picking it up because, like, I can literally get it much, much cheaper on um, uh, Miniature Market or, mm-hmm. or or even through my own local store. It, to, for me, uh, it's 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 a really awkward thing to ask, but you know, it's like, hey, there's no prices on anything, so I have to come up to you and go, so is everything MSRP? And you go, yeah, and I'm like, okay, I'm done here. You know, <laughs> it's like there's, uh, you know, I, I, look, I went to like what people call like the biggest. Um, the biggest gaming store there in that area, and it was man, it it absolutely was. It was big, it was nice, and man, they had like everything. It seemed like they had uh, hundreds upon hundreds of um, board games, uh, and. Their miniature selection was okay. I guess it doesn't do that well. They had like 40k, and they had um, all the Fantasy Flight uh, Star Wars stuff. So that was kind of cool. And of course, they had a ton of Magic the Gathering. But I just do not understand how a place like that stays open in 2020 selling stuff at MSRP. I don't get it. I thought, you know, I mean, every every store I know of over here in Mississippi has had to adapt or die. And, you know, you we, we heard Mike talk about it a couple of episodes ago, you know, what it's like to try to compete, you know, with Amazon and stuff like that. But to just be sitting there at straight up MSRP, I don't get it. But so uh, all that to say, I... One thing I really look for is I'm kind of like trying to go to the gaming store I used to go to, like when I was a kid, where you go in and there's a bunch of old stuff there. There is a half price bin. The guy that's running it is a character that may be good or, or bad, or it may uh-huh. just depend on what day <laughs> what day you're there and how he's feeling. And uh, yeah, I, that's kind of like what I'm looking for. But instead. I went to like six different game stores in the Dallas area, and like my friend Chris was with me, he was like, you know what, they all just kind of look the same. You go in, for the most part, not counting the huge one we went into, you go in and they maybe have 30 board games, like right out here, of whatever. I, I couldn't tell you if they were popular or not, you know, I recognize some names. They ha- they'll have like a, a handful of X-Wings. A handful of 40k and they have magic the gathering and that's it that's all they mm-hmm. got you know it's there's nothing old there or they may have a D section you know it's all the new stuff and uh yeah i don't know man it's just i kind of it's just a little sad to me that that's there's all these stores that are just kind of the same thing they're yeah. selling i mean yeah for the most part, that's been my experience. Last time I traveled for work up to Madison, Wisconsin, there was a there was a nice gaming store there. I mean, a, there's a couple, I think. I don't remember what they were called. But, you know, they were fine, but they didn't look that much different from anywhere else I'd been. Sometimes, like, if you go on, like, the Facebook Wargamers page, someone will post a picture of some store that's just, like, it, it looks like 
the way gaming stores used to look. And it's just loaded with war games and everything. And you can almost smell the picture and you're like, I want to go <laughs> there. But, you know, most of the places I think look kind of generic now. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, they're all kind of new. That's the other thing is like yeah. uh, there it doesn't seem to like be a lot of like really old stores anymore. Like, you know, Mike was talking about with um, his shop in uh, Pensacola, Bubby's Hobby House. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, and uh, it was definitely old. You could go in there and you could tell this place has been open in this location, you know, for like a decade or two. You know, when, when I first went in it, it's got that that cool it's got the smell you know kind of like an old library and it's got pile, mm-hmm. piles of stuff you know pretty much everywhere and uh I, I you know i thought that was just really cool and i kind of kind of dig that you know a lot but yeah i guess it's just because these places are, are new and you know it's not their fault they're trying to stay open so you, you may you may have to keep like a low inventory stock you know oh yeah i that's the other thing is out of six of those stores, only one of them sold comic books. One. Wow. So I, you know, I've heard the comic book market has been down, and they 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 increasingly are becoming more it's expensive too, not only for the retailer to stock it, but for us to buy it too. So that's kind of interesting to see. And of course, it looks like Matt, wherever you go, man, Magic the Gathering is king. You know, oh, yeah. that pays the bills, I think. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. So I had an idea. Uh, this is free for Yankee Candle Company can can crib this idea from me. And it would be a candle scented like old comic book and game stores. And the name of it would be Gronyard. So it, it would be like notes of, of mildewed cardboard and, you know, maybe a little bit of B.O. Because when you really want to set the mood for your uh your game night. You can just light one of those suckers and away you go. Hint of scotch. Maybe, yeah. Maybe cigarettes. <laughs> ah, that is true, yeah. Or, or despair. Anger, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, apparently a quick search of Etsy, uh, it appears to be there is a whole bunch of people that sell candles that smell like uh, antique books. Leather, okay, yeah. leather binding and age paper. So yeah, it seems like we could create that. It would be kind of cool. Uh, I, you know, you mentioned going to Madison, Wisconsin. I talked about when I went to Kenosha and running into uh, like one, what I thought when I walked in was the greatest store ever. It literally had everything on the shelf. You know, all that old stuff, everything. From, it was. It looked like I had walked into a time capsule from like the 90s with just what the stuff they had on on the shelf and available in their lending library and i start to ask questions and it's all ebay prices so i'm like eh thanks but <laughs> no thanks yeah. you know yeah good luck good luck with that selling your stuff at ebay prices to the locals of kenosha wisconsin I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, have an eBay store, man. Have a dedicated. I, I tell you, man, a dedicated employee. That guy could have hired just one guy to just do eBay auctions and have, could have kept his store open for the next ten years. On yeah, that but alone. why would you bother paying the rent if you're gonna do that? Yeah, but I mean, you know, you can just, do that out of your living room. Yeah, but you know, anyway, that's just that's just yeah. my my feelings on it, and um. Listen, I, what was your uh, game store when you were a kid? 
Mine was called Games, Crafts, Hobbies, and Stuff. And they had everything from board games to model airplanes and model rockets. Oh, it's my favorite store in the world. Uh, yeah, that was mine was the Hobby Center. Yeah. Located <laughs> in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It wasn't even in my hometown. So I didn't actually run into people playing anything besides Risk and Axis and Allies until, like, I could drive. And um, I, so many, I mean, like, this past weekend, there's there was, like, a classic game convention that was taking place in inside of the ConSim World thing. And I, I don't have the nostalgia for that stuff because I never played it. I never knew anybody that did. I remember seeing it on the shelf, but I'm assuming it was just, you know, a lot of guys were taking it home and playing it. Because, uh, oh, yeah, that was the other thing. At the Hobby Center, there was no gaming in the store. So I guess you you absolutely had to play at home somewhere with your friends. Mm. <laughs> I I can't tell you. I how didn't have time. a hobby store and I didn't have friends. Yeah, I know. Uh, look, <laughs> I had plenty of games, but I just played uh, it myself. Look, I can't tell you like how <laughs> how often like um, I made the joke. People would talk about like, oh yeah, you know, this is a six player game. Me and my five friends would play it, you know, every Friday night or whatever. I, I was like, for, I was like, what is it like having five friends that yeah. also that also play war games? Oh, I feel you, man. <laughs> like I've I've never even heard of this, sir. Where where do you live? Hmm. So, um, Constant World Dallas, uh, Mark Herman canceled due to um, coronavirus concerns. Huh. And uh, that kind of happened last minute. I think we got the word when I, we I think we got there Friday. We got the word, or we noticed on the drive down something like that. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, okay. On one hand, okay, I heard it said best where it was like, you know what, I'm having fun here, but I don't think I would have came here if Mark Herman wasn't supposed to be here. You know, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not sad I got here, you know, and I don't feel ripped off or anything like that. But, you know, I don't think I would have come here if it was just this without Mark Herman. So So I'm sorry, can you fill me in here? Who is Mark Herman? Uh, I had, okay. I I had to do this for my wife earlier and she okay. was she was very impressed with his um track record. Mark is a pretty famous board game designer, but beyond that, his street cred is amazing. All the stuff he's done for like the government, the military, and all this, it's it's all strategy and, and whatnot. Okay. Uh, it's um he did he wrote a famous book that a lot of Gordon Gecko types do. It's, what's it called? Like are you familiar with it, Rich? Wargaming for Leaders? I didn't know about that actually. Yeah, he he wrote that. It's it's yeah, it's for kind of like Gordon Gecko types and um yeah, his the list of like the stuff he's done is pretty long. Yeah, he has um I think he has a bachelor's in history and like a master's in like uh like intelligence or something like that. Okay. You can hear him on podcasts a lot and I can't he doesn't he doesn't have his own, I don't think, or maybe I'm just forgetting it, but he's on, he does a lot of podcasts a lot. But, uh, so Roy, the game that I talked about, Pericles, last time, that's a more okay. game. Yeah, okay. Yeah, as well as, I mean, other games I've talked about, Empire of the Sun, Fire in the Lake, uh, 
well, Churchill, which I, I talked about that I didn't like very much, but he, he's got, he's done a bunch of games. He's a war game designer. Okay. All right. Yeah, uh, I think he's the, uh, his most notable ones, it was like the big one was um, We the People, which a lot of yeah, people that's right, yeah. copied concepts of that. He also did SPQR with Ghostberg. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, my friend Christopher is a huge fan of Empire of the Sun, and I saw them playing like a giant version of that, and it looked really cool. Basically, you're just playing uh, the Pacific War, and uh, Washington's War is another one that's that's kind of big. So, so you said a giant version of Empire of the Sun, like they blew up the map? Yes, blew up oh, the map okay. and the counters and stuff. Okay. So it was that was like pretty neat. I wonder if that was there's a company that does that that sells large size maps and, and stuff like that. I can't remember what it's called, but I remember hearing about them on Twitter not that long ago. It was like in the last year or two at the most, but it's expensive though. So and I'll link this, uh, his board game geek page in the, uh, the show notes, but he has been an adjunct professor teaching military strategy and analytic methods for Georgetown has taught and lectured for the U S Naval war college and the university of Maryland. His father was a frogman. And uh, his brother served in the Navy, but I guess he didn't. He has a bachelor's degree in history and a master's degree in national security studies. And, uh, yeah, so this is easy. He appears to be very cerebral, you know, that kind of thing. So, so that was Mark Herman. And so, yeah, uh, we really wanted to, like, he was supposed to give a talk, you know, his TED Talk or whatever. But basically, it was just, he was going to be telling stories about just his time in the board gaming industry, you know, and that we mm -hmm. hoped that would be really fun and good, but whatever, it didn't happen. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been good. Like I said, I've heard him on several podcasts. He's He does a lot of podcasts. I hear him interviewed from time to time. And he canceled, and we did not even get an extra hour in the ball pit. <laughs> if you're familiar with that. Yeah, there's a lot of, I heard, my wife and I were actually just talking about this, all the stuff that's, starting to cancel because of fears of the virus and everything so look i heard uh one one of the ncaa basketball tournament games like they're gonna i heard and i don't know if this is true or if this is a rumor or what but i heard that they were talking about playing it with no fans um, yeah i heard that building. too yeah the which the, which would be surreal <laughs> the next f1 race is in china and they have already, they just released a thing saying there will be no fans. Wow. It, it, they will just race, you know, it'll be televised, that's it. Yeah. And so, you know, honestly, I'm really curious to watch that, to just see, like, you know, the cars going around, and there's no one there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the, the NCAA tournament starts on March 19th, which, you know, we were talking about that they were going to get play to empty arenas yeah so i mean it's it's a ways out but uh we're talking about south by southwest here too eventually right yeah yeah that's that was my next thing was they canceled south by southwest and that is going to be march 13th or was going to be yeah i mean that's really big to actually turn around and cancel something that big yeah, because uh, all the acts, all the tickets, all the hotels, you know, they had 50,000, oh, see, they had 50,000 people signing an online petition uh, to pull the plug. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, apparently they didn't want to, and then they were pressured to. I mean, I understand, that's a hell of a lot of money lost, and look, 
somebody, the whole reason why I tossed this on here, because social media is starting to talk about what if they cancel Gen Con? You know, that's, that had crossed my brain that that might happen. Uh, I mean, everybody's like, oh, it's, it's too late. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's too early to tell right now. And that's true, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, things aren't going to probably get better. They're probably going to get worse. So, I don't know. I, and I guess it would be a late, last-minute cancellation. But, yeah, man, that's a ton of people. A ton of people, a ton of guests, a ton of vendors. Yeah, that would be a really, really freaking big deal. So in in 40K terms, Nurgle is the god of like <laughs> yeah, pestilence. pestilence and, yep. Okay, so that's that's your that's your cosplay thing that you can do at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Who yeah, is Nurgle? Nurgle, he's the god of, of pestilence and like death and decay. Oh. Yeah, he's one of the chaos gods. So, is that yeah. one of those like disgusting yep, things that everybody him. paints in the minis with the, yes, like, the boils? Okay. The great him. unclean one. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it. So you're waving around your bottle of Corona beer. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I like looking at the, the the paintings that people do the minis, but some of those are just so disgusting. I have no desire to look at them at all. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you, <laughs> do you subscribe to Reddit, the the 40k subreddit? I yeah. don't subscribe to that one, but I do subscribe to the mini painting one. Okay. Yeah. There's um one of them. What was a corpse grinder that somebody had made? So it's a, like this big. <laughs> swirling pit of oh yeah it was every time it scrolled past me i'm like ooh, i don't know no no good yeah so yeah uh, yeah absolutely yes <laughs> so um when i was in dallas i ate hawaiian barbecue which was really good and but what threw me for a loop was one of the sides it was this weird macaroni and cheese thing yeah for an authentic hawaiian macaroni oh i'm sorry not macaroni and cheese it's macaroni salad okay i could not figure out like what is in it like i i felt like it was uh kind of mayonnaise based but Mm -hmm. like yeah it has mayo but it also has like sugar milk Carrots. You live in Mississippi, and you yeah. mean to tell me that you don't know what macaroni salad is? <laughs> uh, well, this this was Hawaiian macaroni salad uh, with the so macaroni pineapples in it. <laughs> the macaroni salad we have over here is very uh, vinegary. I would say yeah. it's it's that that based on that or whatever. Oh, like a like a vinaigrette kind of stuff. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But uh, this was like, mm, this is pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. What kind of I mac- just. Oh, I was just saying, I you know I'm just made some macaroni and cheese for my family, and you know I I grew up on the the you know the homemade where you put the Velveeta in it and the milk you and everything, but then when I was got to be an adult, I would started getting the box stuff, and it's okay, but I went back to the homemade stuff, and my kids and my wife just go crazy for it. So yeah, we we make actual homemade kind with like actually making the cheese sauce with flour and milk and cheese and it's, oh, okay yeah it's it's so much better it's not mm-hmm. it's not that much harder to do but it's so much better i tend to dope mine up with some sriracha too yeah oh, that's good that stuff. might be good i actually had a, a co-worker this is a while ago he opened up a macaroni and cheese restaurant what yeah <laughs> <called> cheeseology 
It was pretty good. He had all, all sorts of gourmet macaroni and cheese. It, it only stayed open for about two or three years, but it was it was good. Oh, all right. Hmm. So why why do smoke alarms choose to run out of battery at 4 a.m.? Yeah, that's me. I put that on there. I just I don't understand why the hell that always happens. Like you get you get beep out of a dead sleep, beep. I hate it. Like what is it? I have to find it. Yeah. You're and like, so, I and I didn't have any more batteries to put into it. So I like had to drag my ass out of bed, get dressed, go to the store, and get a nine volt battery to jam in the in the smoke detector. Well, uh, you could take it off the wall. You could have taken yeah, you could have taken a risk and been like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could have. I hadn't thought about that. But I yeah, I love that. You're like no no no, my family is too important. I cannot <laughs> risk them for six more hours. This we must take care of this. But I did find they sell them now where they have a ten year battery in them. Really? But they're like, yeah. So like the base model that the ones you put a battery into are like nine dollars. This one was like twenty seven. So. Damn. I yeah. It better I can't have imagine. a warranty too. Yeah. I don't know, but that was that was my. Uh, uh, fun last weekend so i was i was all ready to sleep in and then it didn't happen hmm. I at least up... it was the weekend oh yeah yeah yeah. Knew, yeah it was one of those uh we uh sprung forward right that was oh last yes night. yeah 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 so. Mm-hmm. Huh. so uh what have you been playing roy so let's see i've been playing a game called honga which is a haba game uh, you're familiar with haba is kind of they make kids games and family games wait wait honga is a haba game yes okay yeah you're just making up words now. <laughs> so Honga had a stroke. Well, that could be. That's I'm, it might be in my future. I don't know. Um, but Honga is a uh, it's a game with a little saber tooth cat, and you have a board that's gridded into nine sections. So Honga sits in the middle, and then around the the eight spaces around that are all the different resources that you can take advantage of. And so you each turn you draw a little round card and you put it on the intersections of the squares. And there's and each turn you have to pet Honga. You have to pet the the saber tooth cat. If you don't pet him, he comes to your cave and he lives with you. And then he starts eating you out of house and home. So it's it's a fun little strategy game of collecting resources to get victory cards uh, and also to keep the cat at bay. And so there's yeah it's I I dig it it's it's a clever little game it's it's very nicely designed. Components look nice. Yeah, it's uh there's wooden meeples and there's the um, well yeah, it's a fun game. And then uh, I played Spy Club, which I've talked about before. This is a it's kind of a legacy game, so you can play you can you can reset it and play. Uh, one to five games in kind of a campaign. So it kind of is, it smacks of kind of Encyclopedia Brown or those those kids' novels. Um, and it's a co-op game where you're searching for clues to solve a crime. And it's, you know, it's it's a it's a kid's style of crime, so there's no murder. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's, uh, there's, there's theft or Case whatever. Case of the missing homework. Yeah, that sort of thing. So that's Spike Club. My my uh, daughter digs that. 
And then I played a game called Eco's First Continent, which is you're uh, building a map. And uh, so each turn you have you have a tableau of cards in front of you, and they're four sided. And some of them have up to four uses. Some of them only have one use, depending on how powerful they are. So you're uh, pulling tiles out of a bag, and then you're putting them onto the cards. And then once you have all of the components on a card, you can activate that power and do you can it could say like put a rhino on the map or it could say put a um a desert tile on the map and take so many victory points so that's uh uh ecos is a pretty fun game we've decided and then we played a game called unmatched which is and i've talked about this game before too this is a uh you play characters from history in kind of a uh, skirmish kind of kind of game where uh so there's sinbad there's medusa there's king arthur and then there's alice from alice in wonderland and so you match up two other characters and you move around the map and it's card-based movement um and it's you know for so the the game that i recently played i played with alice which is a melee character and with sinbad which is also a melee character so you would think that if you have two melee characters going after each other, they would just stand in one spot and <laughs> and beat at each other. But it's a very dynamic game where, like, um, like with Alice, you say, I'm going to play this card, and I'm going to make an attack, and then after I attack, I can move five spaces. Um, so it there's a plenty of uh, moving around the, the map and, and maneuvering and everything. So that's unmatched. It's a, it's a relatively new game. And the, the minis are pretty nice too. I don't think Alice is a historical character. I'm no, not, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, um, but each character has a, has a sidekick. So with with Alice, she had the Jabberwock. Oh, is another character okay. to move around. And uh, I don't know that much about Sinbad, but Sinbad has the Porter, and then uh, Medusa has the the Harpies, and then uh, Arthur has Merlin. And so each. Some some of the cards in the deck are only for the main hero. Some are for the other hero, and some are for any. Um, then I got in a game of Star Wars Legion Skirmish again. Uh, we played kind of a smaller map that we we made up a little um, like a bridge scene out of Legos and played on that uh, with catwalks and things. So oh nice that was, yeah. Um, so that was uh, Star Wars Legion Skirmish, and I lost at that. I played the same uh, force that I had before, and Luke befell this, had the same fate as before. He just <laughs> he jumped right into it with uh, Vader, and and uh, and he went down. Look, I've got a uh, a tournament coming up. Uh, the twenty seventh, I think, will be the first one um, we've ever had at my my local store. So I'm, okay, I'm like really excited because. And I'm also really worried because I haven't played that much, so I think I'm going to have to make a point every single week to go uh, make sure I go to the store and, uh, yeah, and play and mm -hmm. learn and stuff. Yeah, so anyway. So is that going to be a full a full army? No, it's going to be skirmish. Okay. It will be skirmish. Right. For whatever reason, they just wanted to kind of start low even though we've got a really good response especially it's like all the locals and there's probably six or eight of us and then uh some people are coming from out of town so okay 
Are you doing clones or separatists? What do you plan? I'm going to do rebels. Okay. Yeah. But even if you're playing against them, like the, the separatists, they've got, they've got some different rules that you kind of have to know how to deal with them. So. In fact, I probably need to take a look at like a list and and stuff because I'm doing Jin. I'm I'm gonna go with Jin Urso and uh, go. For... Okay. And then uh, finally, I'm in the very early stages of playing D and D Eberron. I've never played Eberron before. Oh, I uh, love Eberron. Yeah, I think that's okay. my all-time favorite setting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we've just uh, we've had a session zero where we just did characters. And I'm I'm a little bit apprehensive because the DM doesn't really have, I don't know, he's not that versed in, in the setting, and yeah, so yeah, that does make it tough. Yeah, so he's kind of relying on us to, like we, so he's also using the the Acquisitions Incorporated, uh, source book. Oh, so okay. we're Is gonna that be. Set pull- I don't know. I guess. I'm not oh, really okay. sure. I guess I never realized that. I um, used to listen to them. It, it's been quite a while since I listened to them, so it could be they are now in Eberron and they weren't before. Oh, okay. But they were always just kind of their own thing, too. They were not in... Well, no, actually, they were in Waterdeep, because I know that one of the guys was one of the Lords of Waterdeep for a while. Mm. So, okay. That's definitely not Eberron. That's Sword Coast. So I have a Hobgoblin Monk is kind of the, the character that I settled on. Nice. So now I have thoughts about uh, Eberron. I'm almost um, almost positive. This is how I remember it. <laughs> it. It was a setting that came out. the The guy I know a guy invented it, but didn't he win a contest? And that's yeah, how I think it, you're became, right. it became yeah. a thing. Yes, yeah, it was a contest. He won the contest, and they published his setting. You're right. Okay. Oh, okay. And uh, from what little bit I know about it, it it reminds me a lot of War Machine with like the yes, the, yeah, because you have these uh, like steam golems or something like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Warforged. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They have airships and uh, railroad systems and yeah. and uh, so yeah, it's very steampunk. But it but it's all sort of magic powered, like magic. They use magic for almost everything, like for what we use would use for elect, electricity for they use magic for so mm-hmm. lamps and trains and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we're starting to feel our way through that and uh the other thing is i take the, it back eberron is not my favorite setting dark sun is my favorite setting. Ah, yes <laughs> and that one doesn't have a modern release right i think it may There's not some, be official but i think there is one yeah there are some fan versions around yeah um, the other thing was that book is new, and the first cover they had for it—you could look this up—was just hysterical. The um, one of them, the the lady on the cover looked like Angelina Jolie, and uh, the the critter they had on it looked like a Pokemon, and so everybody hated this cover, which caused them to change it to whatever it is now. And uh, that's one of the ones where I really wanted the um, the retail version. Uh, you know, they get those special, you know, whatever, uh, the covers for retailers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they've been doing alternate covers for a lot of 
most of the five E stuff I think has an alternate cover. Yeah, that was the one I wanted was that one, and I messed around and missed it at like my local store. Um, mm. I think um, Miniature Market might have it, so I may try to try to order it from there. So yeah, it's mm. I thought it was really cool because it has those sh- it has the ships on the cover. So oh yeah yeah I, I attended. You know, Consum World Dallas, and it was interesting, and I actually got to play some things. Isn't that crazy? I wow. played some board games, guys. That you played is, more than I did. That is insane. Uh, I played some board games, and I brought them back. The first thing I wanted to talk about was one I played that I kind of got suckered into doing the demo. I did not want to do the demo. I was not interested in this game. And I was just like, eh, okay. And it was like, come on, man, you know, let's come over here and, you know, let's play this and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, ah, whatever. And I ended up really liking it. And that was Warfighter from Danverson Games. Oh, yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious about that one. I've never played it, but I've, I've, I would like to at least see, see someone play it. it. It's really neat. It It's, it's like all this, um, you know, the randomness of the draw is essentially what it is, is like you yeah. have a mission, you know, to get to, <laughs> and it's, you're flipping a car. Well, for, first of all, it works like what I'm used to, like a miniature game in the sense of, okay, you have X amount of points to build your guy. Yeah. So you go through the deck and you find one that's a decent point cost, and then you have to pay for all the stuff you want to give him. Like, if you want to give him a grenade, if you want to give him a first aid kit, if you want to give him a gun, a knife, you have to pay for all this stuff. So, you know, you have to do all that, and then you actually go and play the mission. You not only play it, like, with yourself, but if you're just doing it uh, solitaire, you have, uh, or even with another person, you can have non-player characters, NPCs in it. So, okay. I thought that was really neat. It's, yeah, it, the guy the guy that uh, did the demo, I cannot think of his name, but he was, like, the nicest person I've ever seen ever. So, you know, mm. I know you're listening, Dan Verson. You should give that guy a raise. <laughs> you know, curious listening. And there are a <laughs> ton of versions of that game, too. Yes, uh, I played Europe and Pacific. Okay. And they have uh, a modern version of it as well. Yeah, they've got a modern that looks like a like a special forces game, Black Ops or something like that. Yep. Yeah, I know there's a bunch of different versions though. So uh, yeah, and at, if I remember, this is something that uh, got kickstarted too. Yeah, I probably. Think. Yeah, it's special forces, and then it's Europe Pacific, and then there is uh, a modern. Whatever Warfighter the Shadow War is, that may be something yeah. newish. The Modern Knight combat game. Oh, yeah, and I think there was uh, something else uh, in this thing having to do with zombies or something? I don't know. Because um, they were talking <laughs> about... They were talking about demoing, and that may be something that's, like, coming out. Um, uh. But, yeah, I missed that one, so... It was Warfighter. Uh, yeah, I surprisingly liked it but i guess you know my i came in with low expectations the first thing i did play there was lock and load tactical have you played it at all richard i played it once last year yeah it was okay i liked it uh for for like what it is of course i'm not like you i'm not this asl expert (laughs) so i i found it to be like really easy 
you know, to play. And yeah. and so, and go through there. And yeah, it was really neat. Yeah, and it looks nice. You know, it's got nice colorful counters and everything. All the, uh, like the, the marker chits that show what's going on are very easy to read and all that. It looks really nice. I just, I, I thought it was okay. Um, I'm trying to think. I I would argue that lock and load. Okay, you know ASL is the king for you know supplements, you know, and just scenarios and all this stuff for it. I would say lock and load is a distant second. I know they don't have anywhere near the amount of ASL. But you, you oh, know, you're talking about just amount of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I but, couldn't even hazard a guess on that, so I'll just go with you. Yeah, I, I feel like lock and load is probably a distant second, you know, and that's probably just because of age. You know, they haven't been out that long, but they put out a lot of stuff. They put out digital stuff, and, you know, yeah, there is supposedly, hopefully, a uh, lock and load tactical um, digital version this year. And, you know, I think that's going to be really, really cool. So, yeah, I, I, I would like to see that. But I dug it. I own um, Heroes in Defiance, which is uh, early war, the uh, German invasion of France. And so that's what I asked if we could play since I, you know, I, I own that one. And I really dig it and hopefully can maybe play it locally now that I know have a little bit more knowledge on how to do it. But anyway, and uh, the last thing I played was ASL Starter Kit Four. Do yeah, you, do, you like own, that. do you own that one? I do, but I haven't actually played it yet. And the guy uh, I uh, that was demoing it for me, um, Greg something, I think he was from the like the North Texas ASL guy. So he's actually been oh, okay. to St. Louis to uh, play in tournaments and stuff up there. So it, it was kind of neat. He did yeah. not even notice my shirt. Didn't notice it. <laughs> not one so time. You, did, you did didn't not... tell him you were West, did you? <laughs> no, no. Didn't, he did not notice my ASL shirt at all. Because so. if you told him you were West Vaughn, he would probably know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It was, Okay, I, I forget, and I don't know how I did, but yes, I absolutely forget just like how complicated ASL can be <laughs> until I start. Yeah, but Scarlet Kid is not. I mean, honestly... I, I really love playing full ASL, but if all I ever had the rest of my life was the four starter kit boxes, I would have a blast playing it, and it would probably still be my favorite tactical World War II game, if, even if it was just starter kit. Well, yeah, I mean, it. I, do, I was just saying that it could be, you know, so I, <laughs> like, I just forget, like, because it has steps that other ones don't, like Lock and Load didn't, like, you know, Prep Fire. Right. You know, and you have, you can move, you can assault move, and, you know, that's different, uh, and then, you, you know, you have your hand-to-hand, -hand and think coming in, how well morale figures into everything, how difficult it is to, you know, kind of kill something, and, uh, oh yeah, the other thing, the fact that you're just rolling 2d6, that's it, that's all you ever roll, yep. just 2d6. Yep, all you ever roll. So yeah, is lock and load lock and load is that D ten? Um, I can't remember. I've only played it once. It seems like it was something different. I cannot remember. It seems like right. it was D six and D ten. I thought I don't know. I get confused. I play a a, a bunch of things. <laughs> it's all confusing. Um, 
but uh, the Japanese were really interesting because they don't really break. Yeah, right. Yeah, they yeah. flip they flip over and they just reduce, and so right, that which was... is is interesting for two reasons. One, so I was actually playing against someone a PTO campaign, not or not a campaign, but a game not that long ago, and I always thought, well, the Japanese never break, so you can never you can never sort of scare them away like you would with anyone else. You know, they have to take some turns off and everything, but but there's a flip side to that too. They never get better. They never go back up to full strength. Right. Once you once you shoot them down, they're going to be weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker as they come toward you. So it really is an interesting balance when you play against the Japanese. Yeah, um, it was yeah, it was really neat. And yeah. um, so Roy, what we're talking about is an ASL. Um, if you get a, a good enough hit on a squad, they'll they'll break. They'll become demoralized, and mm-hmm. and they won't necessarily die. I mean, although if you hit them really well, some of them will. Um, well, yeah, but basically, I mean, they'll just they'll have to take a couple turns off until they can recover. Whereas the mm-hmm. Japanese never do that. Instead of breaking or demoralizing, they just reduce in strength and keep coming at you. Okay. But yeah, that like makes I sense. Said, the contrary is once they reduce in strength, they can never get back up to full strength. So. Mm-hmm. so when you when you rest, do some of them recover some uh, some power? Like the the ones that aren't Japanese, yeah, yeah. So if if a if a unit is not not if no one died, you didn't get a, a kill result or a a result that caused half of them to die and become a half squad or whatever. Then mm-hmm. basically what happens is you put a marker over them and they they basically have to roll a die and because the first time they roll that die, it's going to be a minus four to the die roll and you've got to roll a certain number based on their Basically, the first turn, they're not going to come back. But if mm-hmm. you hide them in a building, and especially if you put them with a leader, then they'll probably come back the second and maybe the third turn. Ah, okay. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was it was neat. Uh, I, I mean, basically, the jungle was woods. Uh, is there a stacking limit for going through woods, Richard? In ASL? There, yes. Well... There is a stacking limit, but there's no, uh, I mean, I don't think it's any different for Woods as it is anywhere else. Yeah, because, like, Jungle was two uh, two squads. Okay. You, you can maybe do two that, squads maybe that, and a leader, but. Maybe that's a PTO rule that I don't remember. I don't no. remember that, but it could be. Anyway, it was, it was, I, it was neat, and uh, I hate, I didn't get to see a vehicle or anything. Yeah, it was also really difficult. It was only, like, five turns and you would have had to haul ass and know what you oh, were yeah. doing in order to secure the objectives. The best I could do was two out of the four objectives and I yeah. didn't have a chance to get the other two. Yeah, that's ASL. You don't have time to mess around. If you're the attacker, you got to move, move, move. Yeah. Don't prep fire. <laughs> you're always going to regret it. Every time you prep fire, you're going to regret it. <laughs> so what have you been playing, Rich? I actually haven't been playing all that much. I did start playing a, a new game. Uh, well, it's not new, but new, I haven't played it yet, called Cataclysm. Uh, speaking of World War II, so Cataclysm is uh, it's a strategic World War II game, um, and it's it's the entire war. I mean, well, it doesn't include it includes North Africa, but you can't. It's not like a a sandbox of the entire war. You can't go down into Southern Africa or the United States or anything. But basically, everything from Europe, North Africa all the way across to the entire Pacific is is free game. 
And in that sense, it really is a sandbox. Uh, you can do whatever you want. The game starts in 1933. No one is at war in 1933. You've got three ideologies. You've got the fascists, the communists, and the democracies. Uh, and communists are kind of weird because there's only one communist country, and that's the USSR. Uh, the democracies have, you know, France and USA and UK and... I think that's probably it. There might be another one that I think that's it for them. And then the fascists have Germany, Italy, and Japan. So it can play up to seven players, but really it plays best of three where every player just gets one ideology. Um, but you can literally do anything you want. I mean, you can't, I don't know. There are limitations as far as you can't like have alliances across ideologies or whatever, but you know, there's nothing to say that Germany and Italy will never be allied at all. Um, although it's in their benefit to do so because of the way the game works. So um, the point of it is to play, you know, uh, it, it says this is a second world war, not necessarily the second world war because it'll play out differently. And it definitely does that. Um, it's fun. It's interesting. It's, it's a little die rolly for me. Like there are a lot of things that, happen and almost everything you do you have to roll die to see if you can do what you want to do and really you're going to require a five or a six on the six-sided die now most of the time you're rolling more than one die roll one two or even up to three die sometimes there's die roll modifiers sometimes they're negative though too so there was a situation where for quite a while um i was trying to get something done I had two dice to roll, and I had to have a six, and I just kind of wasted a bunch of turns waiting for that six to come up. So in some sense, you're making all the decisions, but in some sense, you're kind of rolling to see what happens. So it's definitely a fun game. I'm looking forward to keep playing it. We're going to play it for a few weeks until we start up Pericles. Um, so it's just kind of a in-between game for us. I'm enjoying it. I don't know that I'm crazy about it, and I would you know, ask to play it, but I'm definitely enjoying it while I'm playing it. So how long does it take to actually do a scenario? I, well, you know, we played, we're learning, so we still had to look up some rules and stuff. We played for about three hours Thursday night, and I think we're probably close to halfway done. I think I think we might finish up the war in the next session. So I think it's probably a, if you know what you're doing, it's probably a one-day game, like a six, six, eight, maybe ten-hour game if for whatever reason it really goes long. It's, it's unlikely that it's going to go all the way until... I mean, technically, if everything goes well, right or wrong, depending on your point of view, the game could go up to 1950. So 1933 to 1950 is a long time. Mm -hmm. But realistically, it's never going to go that long because the end conditions happen, like when one ideology is completely out of the game or when two different powers surrender. You know, France is going to surrender pretty early. Um, I'm, playing, I'm playing Russia and the communists and... The Axis is beaten up on me pretty bad. So if I surrender and if France surrenders, I mean, the game might be over by 42 at this point. I don't know. But I would say if you know what you're doing, it's a one-day game. It's a, it's a six- to eight-hour game at most, I think. And what was the other thing you played? So the other one is I'm getting into OCS. That's something I really wanted to learn this year. It's a system. So I've got Tunisia 2 setting out on my uh, my table here at the counters all clipped and um, or not not clip, but punched, and I'm, I'm reading the rule book now. So I haven't really gotten into it yet. I'm still going through the rule book and just kind of pushing stuff around and seeing how the system works. But um, I can say the rule book is one of the best written rule books I've read. It's just really, 
good. I mean, everything makes sense and there's a lot in it. It's dense because there are a lot of rules, but it's just well-written and easy to read. So, is that a hardbound rule book? Is that what I'm seeing there? No, it is not a hardbound rule book. I see the, the on the Board Game Geek's uh, link, there's a picture of this, The Bloody Road to Tunis. Oh, so, that's just a, a book. Oh, no, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's not it. No, the, the, it's um, it's actually got – so OCS is a system. So mm-hmm. you have the system rules and then the game-specific rules. Okay. And the system rules is about, I don't know, 40, 50 pages or something like that. And then the game-specific rules is like 10, 12 pages. Oh, so. all right. But once you know the system, there are – I don't know. I'm guessing a dozen games in the OCS system, mm-hmm. one of which is Sicily, which I purchased from Adam, not Enemy at the Gates. I don't know about uh, that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but Hungarian Rhapsody is the next one that's going to come out. Once you know the system, uh, then the game specific rules are usually, you know, just a few exceptions here and there based on terrain and spe- specific units and stuff like that. Mm, okay. Is it a uh, solitaire? Well, I know, I, mean, I know you play it, but it's a two-player game. But like like most war games, there are no hidden information, so you know you can just kind of split your mind in half and play it solitaire, which is what I'm going to do. But hopefully, I'll get to play against someone too, because it's always better that way. But there are no cards, no hidden information, nothing like that at all that would cause it to not be solitaire. There are some sort of fog of war rules um, in the rule book based on the counter stacks, but you know they're really just. Basically, just says you can't lift up someone else's counter stack and inspect it. And there's rules about what's supposed to be on top, so what you're allowed to know. So, a little bit of fog of war, but nothing, nothing as much as like silver bayonet or anything like that. This does remind me. Uh, I see it here on the MMP uh, website. Hungarian Rhapsody is not yeah. funded yet, and it all it needs is six more people. All right, so yeah, I want you each to go sign up for three copies. <laughs> and yes, at the pre-order price of one hundred and five dollars. Yeah. So, so if I order like three hundred and fifteen dollars worth of this, yeah, I would hope yeah. I would reach that free shipping thing, but I don't know, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that game. I'm I'm so looking forward to Garen Absidy. I hope it comes out this year, but probably not. But I hope. You need to get out there and uh, beat the drum. Then you got to ra- round I, up I six do- people. I was doing it for a while. You know who needs to beat the who needs to beat the drum is MMP. They really need to publicize that better. But yeah, for for a while on Twitter, I was telling people to sign up for it. I guess they're waiting. Wait, I mean, it'll hit it. It's OCS. OCS is a popular system. It's going to hit the number. It's just taking too long. Maybe not this year though. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. I wanted to talk about like what I actually bought there, and I'm very I, I am happy with myself that I didn't bring home a ton of stuff like I am known to do. Although there was some impulse buying and some two good deals to pass up, and uh, so look, the flea market, quote unquote, was in an area probably the size of a large family dining room. And that's where you also, where you registered. They had all these tables around it. And so at any time, day or night, people would wander in, drop new stuff down, and you like, they fill out this form like this, I'm Adam Chance, and I'm selling my copy of Monopoly 
for four hundred dollars, and you know, and just have it there. And I'd have like my phone number, and like maybe where you can find me, like if I would be at like table so and so today. That's and, cool. And so you just kind of go through your browsing, you know, you're like, oh, okay, I'm interested in this, and I was like, holy shit, he wants four hundred dollars for that? Screw him. And um, you know, you just keep passing by. So the second day of this convention, I'm walking in with my friend, and this dude comes in with like two enormous plastic cases and just starts setting shit out. And I'm like, and he's like, yeah, you know, my wife and I, we're, I'm cutting down, we're going to live in a motorhome now, and blah, blah, blah. And he says, nothing here is higher than $10. In fact, most of it is three or five. So, wow. So I started grabbing stuff and making a pile. Hell yeah. And so out of that, I got uh, World in Flames, fourth, it's fourth edition. They're currently on the eighth, which I have a digital copy of. But um, it was it was 10 bucks for this game that has, I, I think I counted it on the way home, uh, 1100 counters yeah <laughs> you know it's i you know whatever i i thought this might be fun and uh, i'm gonna try and learn the digital game too so and when you opened up the box were all 1100 counters in one big ziploc bag no 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 <laughs> uh thank god um it, they weren't even all punched you know i think he did like the maybe played the first scenario or two yeah they're all nice and bagged uh oh yeah i will tell you there was a dude there that was trying to sell an ASL collection for like uh, th 300 bucks. And it was a really good deal because it had like two copies of uh, Beyond Valor. It had yeah. two copies of Yanks. It had... Um, I mean, honestly, that right there is worth 300 bucks. It had... Two copies of each of those? Yes, it had the first uh, rule book. It had the second rule book. It had uh, Squad Leader and all the expansions. And uh, some of the other, and a couple other things. And he couldn't split it up because of the way it had already been punched and sorted. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, damn, man. I was like, I really wish you would, yeah, I hate that because I really need a copy of Yanks, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know if he ever sold it. And I'm, because I'm like, I'm like, if he split it up, it would be worth for things for me, but if somebody actually wanted to get into this game, that is a really good deal. Another thing uh, I got out of the uh, the cheap gentleman was Precious Defiant Stand. This is uh, a game from Worthington. It's a block game from Worthington, and I had owned this before and never got it to the table. Huh, I know. It's crazy, <laughs> right? Um, it's Warfare in the Age of Reason, it's Seven Years' War, all that kind of stuff is kind of interesting to me, so I really wanted to play it. This came out in 2007, it's got a low low wage, I think it's like 2.6 out of 5, and it's rated pretty decently on uh, on BoardGameGeek, people kind of like it. Uh, it's It came out at the same time as Maria, if you're familiar with that one, and that's, that's another one that I owned and never got to the table and sold. As yeah, you should play. Do. You should play Maria. That's a good game. People, I did see people playing that, but doesn't it require like four? Nope, it's a three-player game. Oh, it requires three. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that there may be rules for two. I don't know, but it's definitely a three-player game. 
another one from Mr. Discount Guy uh, was Luftwaffe, Aerial Combat Over Germany, 1943-1945. And I picked this up, one, because it was still is sealed. Uh, two, you know, I like the bombing thing, but three, it was it's a Luzaki game. Mississippi's own Luzaki, so... <laughs> And I actually saw an original version of this uh, at the the con that somebody was selling, I think, for ten dollars. It has that really cool cover of like a uh, Stuka, I think, on the on the front, whatever. But yeah, uh, the next one, I, this I actually paid money for, but it was I did get a pretty good package deal. My friend wanted. Are you familiar with GMT's uh, Samurai and Ran? Is mm. no, I don't know that one. Samurai and Ran. No, I don't know. Well, that it's one. okay. They're two separate games. One is Samurai, and one is Ran. I know. Are you talking? No, I know GMT has a new game coming out, Samurai Battles or something like that. But no, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's see. It's. I think this is the correct one. I'm looking at it now. It is a Richard Berg, Mark Herman, Samurai. Oh, okay. Is it Great Battles of History? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it okay. is. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are so many in that series, I don't know them all, but yes. So I, both yeah. both of those are Great Battles of History. There was okay. there's Samurai, and then there's Ran, which you okay. know, I, I guess is based on our... They took the name from the movie. But, <laughs> so I got that... And the, my friend wanted those two, and I wanted Bloody April. Again, I've owned this before and never got it at the table, but I'm fascinated by it because this is a World War One version of Downtown. Right, exactly. And so, really... Now you didn't get Downtown for me, did you? Uh, I did not see it. Didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't even, I didn't even see anybody playing it. So uh, I I've been wanting this. I dig it. I love the bright red artwork on this one. You can see us in the show notes. And uh, yeah, I I'm a little intimidated because we were I was flipping through it like looking at the rule book on the way back. You know, as I'm driving, I'm flipping through the rule book. Um, and it's it's about forty or fifty page rule book, which my friend assures me uh, that means it's that's it's kind of tough. It does. <laughs> it does have a weight of four point oh eight out of five as a complexity rating on a board game geek. So hmm, I don't know, but I mean it's well rated. I hear it's a pretty good game. Terry Simo designed this, and uh, yeah, uh, I yeah, this is this is one I, I've wanted. Anyway, we got all those three for one ten. Is what we ended up paying for them, and they were all new, unpunched. They were open but unpunched. Um, the next one came from the discount guy, and uh, that was Illusions of Glory. Uh, I paid, uh, I think I paid ten bucks for this one, and it's unpunched, opened, and after I got it, uh, Chris was like, uh, "Well." It's a really good deal, so I didn't want to stop you from buying it, because I already own it. So I'm like, ah, shit. Okay. So I may end up giving it to you, Richard. Uh, oh, I, I will take, I'll take that in a heartbeat. That's on my list. When I see you again, because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't get, I didn't give much for it, and so I don't need it, so, yeah. 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 Easter Front World War One. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, because this is, um, 
Christmas. I mean, it's it's paths of glory, but yes. on the eastern front. Right. Yes. Exactly. And uh, yep. that's that's what I was told. So yeah, I'll probably end up giving that to you next time I see you. And uh, my favorite score of the whole convention was this one. I got a copy of uh, 30 Years War, Europe in Agony. It's by GMT for $3. And wow. I'll tell you why it was Wait, a good... I'm sorry, for how much? $3. That's what I thought you said. I... Um, and uh, <laughs> I'll tell you why that was such a score for me. Because I had been hemming and hawing over two used copies of this. for 30... <laughs> I was about to pay $35 for it. From uh, that were also in the flea market until this dude walked up and was like, "Yeah, that was three. I'm like, "Sold," and it was opened <laughs> unpunched. So, nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, people lost their mind when I took that picture and posted it on um, on Twitter. I was like, "I got all this stuff for forty dollars." Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was like, "What edition of World in Flames was that?" And I'm like, oh, "I'm like, it's fourth. You know, it would be great if it was the current one because that would that would have been a hundred and fifty dollar thing, but whatever." So, so Adam, I know I keep asking you this, yeah. but are you coming to Kansas City? Uh, I'm still planning on it, but I'm not. Okay. I can't. I can't confirm. If, if you're yeah. coming, bring this game. This one would be a great one to play in KC. What? Uh, Thirty Years War. Thirty Years War. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, do you know this one? Are you familiar with it at all? I, I've heard of it. I've never played it, but yes. David A. Uh, Fox and it. Michael Welker designed it. Yeah. And uh, Mark Simonich is an artist. I think he was walking around there. It seems like somebody said they saw him at the thing. I thought I saw on Twitter that he wasn't coming, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just hear rumors, innuendo. So, anyway. So, uh, moving on, uh, Blue Panther was there. The people that publish not only for Hollandspiel, our close personal friends over there, but they do this other company, White Dog Games, that we talked about a little bit. Yeah, and um, so I was like, "Man, okay, I've got to buy something. What do I buy?" You know, from Hollandspiel, and I really hemmed and hawed over a lot of stuff. I mean, having it right there in front of me didn't help anything. You know, <laughs> so I was just like, uh, "I ended up getting. I absolutely wanted Table Battles, the the new version of that, the second edition." Did, did, did they have that dinosaur battles there? They, it wasn't for sale. It's going to go up for pre-order okay. soon, but they were demoing. Oh, okay. I took pictures of that. It looked really cool. Yeah. Um, so I got Table Battles and the East, the uh, English Civil War expansion for it. And what I settled on was uh, Horse and Musket Volume 3. It's because it has the pike and shot stuff in it. It's uh, English Civil War and, and stuff like that. I haven't even played the other one. The uh, the main one. Uh, but you've got the main one, right? Yes, I do, because okay. you have to have the main one to play yeah. this one. <laughs> I just want to make sure you knew that. <laughs> yeah, I bought the main one uh, in a Hollandspiel sale. Which, okay. Which, it's, I, I, if I remember correctly, when I interviewed um, uh, Tom, he talked about this was his the most expensive game they make. Yeah. And, and uh, MSRP on it is 85 so, I mean, you don't get much of a discount in the sale, but you do get something. I, so it was less than that, whatever I uh, paid for. But um, it is also a pretty big, you know, thick box compared to the rest of them. I'll tell you, another one I thought was really interesting, but it's a, it's a solitaire game, is Escape from Hades. 
I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with that one at all. It's. I mean, I, I remember seeing it like in their sale. Doesn't yeah. that one have a kind of like a comic booky cover? Yes, it's beautiful, yeah. bright artwork. It totally looks like pulp. Um, yeah. Uh, Flash Gordon kind of thing. It looks really, really neat. And uh, you actually, there's two parts of it. Like you fly around in your ship and you do do some stuff, and you end up, if you're lucky, if you get to that part, you land on the space station. You're trying to rescue this girl, and so you like go to another map, and uh, you move around on that map until you beat the game. So I okay. was like, wow, that's really cool, but it's solitaire, so. Eh. You know, which is weird. I can't get an opponent for war games, but I shy away from solitaire games. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I don't want a game with myself because I, I I know I cheat. I don't know. It's I don't or I don't wear deodorant. There's a problem. I don't know what it is. So um, the last you're gaming cancer. Yeah, I know. The last couple of things I picked up. This was pretty funny. Um, and I'm so glad like I have you guys is phone number so I could text you weird stuff at odd hours. So again, I'm just hanging out for whatever reason. I think it was the only place with self-service and I was texting somebody and uh, a guy walks into the flea market and I'm like, ah, okay, what you got? You know, he's in a box. He starts unloading it and it's, I'm like, I recognize the fact that it's the gamers and I'm like, oh, okay, so this is that thing that Richard likes or has mentioned. <laughs> I'm like, and they said it was operational combat. I'm like, again, this. I know Richard likes that, so I'll take a picture of it. And I sent it to him, and he was like, oh, wow, man, look at that. And then he was like, what does he want for Sicily there? <laughs> and, and so yeah, the guy is, like, filling out the paperwork. Because, you know, when he unloaded, I was like, yeah, somehow it looks nice. And I'm like, what, do you, what have you got on? He's like, oh, I don't know. Hang on, man. Hang on, man. i, I got to fill this out. i got to fill this out. I, I, I don't even know. I've got it written down here and blah, blah, blah. And. So he's going through and he's, he's filling us out. So, and I'm like, hey, because uh, I, I, I told him, I was like, yeah, my friend loves this. I'm going to text him a picture of it. And I took a picture and I sent it to you. And um, I'm like, oh, my friend wants to know what do you want for Sicily? And he's like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I bet he does. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, really? And uh, he's like, uh, I've got $60 on it. And so I texted you back. I have no idea if that is good. And I was instantly like, yes, bad God, or ugly. <laughs> I texted to him, and I didn't think much about it. And then I'm like, oh, um, he says he wants it. <laughs> and so I ended up getting it. And I didn't know until I put together the show notes for this. It's on sale for board, um, board Game Geek, the cheapest copy in the U.S. It is very good. I don't know what that means. Uh, it doesn't say if it's... It is unpunched, complete, but the box is a little crushed. It is a hundred. That shouldn't even be very good on yeah. BGG, but <laughs> it, it's a hundred and fifty dollars plus shipping for for <laughs> this thing. And so, yeah, so sixty dollars, I guess, was a really good deal. And so, I was like, uh, "What else you got?" And so I'm looking through, you know, and I'm like, "Well, I, I impulse bought Enemy at the Gates for twenty, is is what I got." So. I love the artwork on it, and I flipped it over, and the the counters and stuff look cool, and so yeah, this is what I'll I'll try, this OCS thing. So I can probably I think it has a decent solitaire suitability if I wanted to do that, or some of the smaller scenarios shouldn't take that long to play. Yeah, I mean it's it's OCS, so uh, is that Meet the Gates OCS as well? I don't remember. Yes, that one, yes but. it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you'll have to read the system rules, but like I said, you can get. 
since those are older versions, the system rules in the box will actually be a slightly older version of the system rules. I think they're up to like 4.3 now or something like that. Maybe, maybe different, but MMP has the latest system rules on the website, so you can just download them there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty big box. You know, it's got four maps. Well, actually, four maps and then one Stalingrad blow-up map. Yeah, that's the other thing. It was Stalingrad, and it was a bunch of combined arms. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to give this a shot. So So good. Yeah. The the other thing that I ended up uh, getting a lot of stuff was uh, books. You know, I'm like, I don't feel bad about, like, Impulse buying books. Because, you know, they're easier to store... I can I can read them. A lot of people I know may want to borrow them. I can always donate them. Whatever you know, I don't feel so bad. So Jack Green, who you know is in Vicksburg over here, is the Mississippi. Well, one of two Mississippi board game designers that we have. Uh, the other being Luzaki was there, and he had a bunch of his books for sale. And I there were three of them that two of them that I absolutely wanted, and two of Impulse bought. The first one was The Black Prince and the Sea Devils. And, okay, you know that Kickstarter we talked about last um, show? uh, Yeah, the the Human Torpedo guys. Yes. This is that story. And that's how I knew about it was he posted something about it. He wrote a book with Alessandro Massanani. Okay. For you new listeners, I can't pronounce anything. (laughs) Not a single thing. So, and I feel so bad in mutilating these people's na- names. I'm not trying to be funny in that part, but I just can't do it. Anyway, so but this Roy and I both really yes, but it. they laugh tremendously. <laughs> but when yeah, when Roy's not here, I pronounce everything flawlessly. It's this whole thing. So uh, this was a night, really nice little hardback book. I got that, and the other one he did that I wanted was the Naval War in the Mediterranean because it was all about. Um, the uh, Italian Air Force, uh, his big thing that he really likes is Italian torpedo bombers. So I didn't even know that was a thing. So, yeah, I got that to, I uh, was wanting to get that, and these were much cheaper than on Amazon. Plus, the author's there, and he signs it, and so that's great. And the other two that I bought for Impulse Buy is Ironclads at War, The Origin and Development of the Armored Battleship, and Rommel's North Africa campaign, 1940 to 1942. So, no idea if that is uh, those are good or not. But you know the su- the subject. I'm like, yes, I'll read this. And so there you go. The only other uh, books I got were from Super Duper Discount Guy, and I was surprised uh, that these books have a board game geek entry. <laughs> So I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, the first one was the Comprehensive Guide to Board Wargaming by Nicholas Palmer, and the other one was the Complete War Games Handbook and the ver- how to play how to play, design, and find them. Now the one I have is the uh, the updated uh, version. Which also include the revised edition includes computer games and more, as it says. And those were a buck a piece. So I was like, okay, I'll buy that. And then <laughs> the um, I bought the Atlas of the Napoleonic Wars was like three dollars. And I'm like, that's just really cool. So there you go. It's I like making getting a deal, and so I feel really good with what I got. 
So the only other thing I had uh, was I backed. I told you I would last turn, uh, last show, and uh, I actually got a call from a friend of mine that I, I actually game with this guy on a semi-regular basis. He work. He comes into town for work usually on Mondays, and so I knew I could actually get a game with him. And he was like, "Hey, man, have you heard about that um, that uh, uh, new Kickstarter, the Core?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man, I know all about the Core." I'm like, I interviewed the guy a hundred years ago, and I actually pulled up that interview and uh, posted it in. Um, there's a Core Facebook group, and it's from that, that interview was from 2005, I think 2005 <laughs> or 2008. That's how long ago I was doing this show that on that particular iteration of it. And it was really funny to listen to because I used to open like with like rock and roll music and stuff. And yeah, anyway, it's the whole thing. I used to be much cooler. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I have all the core rule books. I have a whole bunch of the 28 millimeter ones. I have a whole bunch of the 15 millimeter ones. So my friend was absolutely going to back this and a bunch of people over in Louisiana were too. So I went ahead and backed it at a hundred and fifty one dollars so i will get a um a starter set i think is what it was um for two of them two different factions so there you go and i'm actually going to try and interview joshua by next show and i think he would have probably a week left to back this i am impressed i checked it today right before we did the show he wanted a measly measly $99 not even $100 he just wanted $99 and it is up to $11,825 with uh, two weeks to go it's a really odd little thing it's I mean it's basically weird war one sort of and it's just with these weird little aliens called the core and I just dig them whatever and uh, I hope to have him on we can talk more about it Moving on, we have a sponsor. We have Mike at AlterDementia.com. And I actually had a chance to share this on Facebook today. Um, somebody in, I think it was a Star Wars um, Legion group, was like, Hey, I don't have a 3D printer. Does anybody know of a place to do? I do, sir. <laughs> AlterDementia.com. Yeah, yes, I am here. Oh, it's Adam Chance. He's here. Yes. <laughs> Um, and you'll have this in the show notes because it's spelled a little funny. But the discount code, and this is the most important thing, is COG2019. And I tossed that in there. I was like, COG2019, you get 20% off your order. There you go. He can do Hero Forge and all this other fun stuff for you. Anything you can pull up on for an STL file. I'll tell you this, um, on this Core's War, Joshua is talking about as a add-on extra allowing us to purchase STL files for the vehicles so we can just print them on our own. And I'm like, I absolutely would love to do that because I've got a guy. I've got a connection. I've got a hookup. I've got Mike over at AlterDementia.com. So there you go. Done so and done. We talk about him all the time. We should have him on sometime, maybe. No, I don't know. He should, he should come to a convention so we can see him, see what mm -hmm. he looks like in person. I've met him. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's how you hooked yep. us up with this whole thing. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to what's on your radar, the first thing I got is I discovered this today. had no idea. Um, uh, this gentleman actually lives in Mississippi, further up north, and he likes to design 
spaceships. For particularly, he just he just likes to make spaceships in 3D modeling, and printed them out and like all this stuff. And he was like, you know, hey, I could sell these, but I wonder what game they would work for. And somebody told him that like Full Thrust is exactly how well it would work for it. So this is Twilight Game designs, and uh, he's got a bunch of new Imperium ships for Full Thrust. So I was just going to toss it up here, see what you think. I mean, I... So, yeah. I don't know the game Full Thrust. Is that X-Wing, Armada? I mean, what's it like? Uh, Full Thrust is... I mean, it plays like both of the... Uh, it plays like a smaller scale Armada. It is, it is like capital ships, not fighters. But, you know, okay. your capital ships can launch fighter. It's basically like Armada, only the ships aren't anywhere near as big. They're about the size of the mid-size X-Wing ships. And it's, okay. a, it's a super old game. with uh, It's a super tight rule set, and people really like it. Basically, it's, it's um, faction neutral, you know. They don't really have a official, like, races and stuff like that. So people have pretty much created their own, and companies will sell the, uh, like this, guy created his own, and they'll sell the miniatures for them, and it's all based on a point system. So like if this particular ship has these turrets, these ship, uh, these shields, these thrusters, blah, 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 it's worth X amount of points. So that way you and I can come up with a um, an even conflict so we can play. And I'll try to dig it up in the show notes. I believe, like, the uh, rule book is now free. It's like a PDF, and uh, it's free. Uh, this is one of the many, many things that I have uh, stuck in a box that I need to get painted <laughs> and perhaps play one day. So, so where did you get the ships for it? Uh, I got them. There is uh, this really great company called Ground Zero Games, and they're over in the UK, but... I, their shipping is insanely fast. They're in the UK, and I can order stuff on, like, Monday, and odds are it will be here by um, Friday or Saturday. I don't know how they do it. I really, really don't. But part of the stuff they sell is uh, Full Thrust. And so I remember this game. I remember people playing it in a club I later joined, like 20 years ago and so it's always and seeing it at conventions played so i've always you know it's just one of those things that you know that you just remember and you're like dad gummit i'm gonna own that one day you know I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna buy that one day you know that game or you know whatever it, just for nostalgia's sake so that's it but it's really cool and you know i want to support the little guy in mississippi making ships which is nice so there you go so, Roy, tell me about 36 hours of gaming at Hope College. So, this uh, happens every year. It's the beginning of uh, spring break for the Hope College students. And so there's a math professor at Hope College that he just rents out some rooms and he hosts games there. So it's a kind of a little mini convention uh, that they have every year. So that's coming up next weekend. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um and I'm going to be able to get in a game of Twilight Imperium 4. Awesome. So, yes. Have you ever played that? I know we've talked about it. Yes, right? a couple of times. Okay. Yep. Um, so, yeah, 36 hours of gaming is a little convention I'm going to next weekend. All right, two questions. 
Yes. Number one, uh, what what kind of college is Hope College? It is a uh, Dutch Reformed or, or Christian Reformed college, so it's a private college. Uh, is it two year, four year? It's a four year college. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's here in town. Okay, just wasn't familiar with that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other question was, what is your favorite race for Twilight Imperium? I'm glad you said for Twilight Imperium. I thought I was going to have to put the show. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, let's see. One time I played the – there's the faction that always goes first. But yep, they have yeah. – their initiative is zero. The Nalu. Okay, yep. And then there's um, – boy, I – you know, I don't, I don't know. I every time I like the last time I played, I just said, "Give me something random." So. Yeah, that's what I did last time I played. I I let everyone else pick, and then I picked among the things that were left that I had never played before. So. Okay. I just said, "Give me the fourth one down." And it was <laughs> the uh, the the purple guys who are into um, research, I think. Oh, the Jolnar. Yes. The nerds. Yep. <laughs> so I've played those two. Uh, yeah, I know. All I know of it is I've all, the artwork has always been interesting to me. Uh, it And I remember, I think it's third edition has a, a, a lion-looking guy on the cover. They both do. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Basically the, in... The Hakan? Yep. That's okay. the Emirates of Hakan. Yeah, okay. that'd be an Aslan from Traveler, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, moving on to news, and uh, yeah, I love how this is like a short show on like the the news type stuff because we just talk about this what we've been playing. But uh, Victory at Sea is coming very very soon from Warlord Games. Dad Gummit, I really want this. I have absolutely. I know. Me too. I've absolutely been after a um a uh, a, a, a naval miniature World War Two game for the longest time and I was very interested in playing uh, Victory at Sea when Mongoose Publishing had it and I never got around to buying into it and uh, so, man I really really want this but yeah I mean I think a lot of the guys I game with are kind of still a little burned out over um, Cruel Seas yeah Cruel Seas Yeah, it not really taking off and you know we've got a bunch of that and we've only played it once but uh, I don't know Hey, uh, what about uh, the guy from uh, History on the Table is into naval games, right? He's starting to get into it. Yeah, I think he's, he's starting to get interested in them, yeah. Yeah, because I remember he bought that rule set that um, I had never heard of. I was like, wow, you got one up on me. I have never yeah. heard <laughs> of this company or this rule set. Okay. But, man, it, yeah, I, this, dadgummit, this is going to be one I think I'm going to end up getting one eventually eventually i'm sure yeah see this is one of those that i look at it and like if someone has it and if i have a chance to play it and it's good i can see myself getting it but i'm probably not going to jump in you know sight unseen to something like this so uh since it is warlord i'm assuming uh nws can uh get it Yes, I, I would think so. I wonder if it's... I don't know. I mean, it it'll be a miniature market too. That's true. That is true. Oh yeah, I forget you don't have to worry about uh, shipping like us plebes do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forget about that. Um, I'm looking over here. Yeah, he's got uh, Croy de Gear 
uh, for 115 which isn't the greatest. I think his pre-order price on that was better, and I should have a uh, bit on that. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I guess I can edit this out as I live Google it. Or not, because I'm lazy. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, wait. Sorry, I ended up in the War Games section. I forget. There's a miniature section. That's a whole other thing. So, going all the way over here to Warlord Games and... It's got a lot of Black Sea stuff. I actually saw a place in... Um, Texas that had that on the shelf. I kind of looked over it and was like, eh, I think I'm going to stick um, with my Kickstarter for Blood and, the Blood and Plunder thing came in today, actually, so I'm going to talk about that more on the next show, I think. Maybe actually get a chance to play it, but no. No, he doesn't have it up yet, so I'm sure he'll have the... I don't even know what the MSRP on the starter set will be for Victory at Sea, but... Given Warlord, it could be anywhere from 50 to 100, would be my guess. I'm not, yeah, so, I don't know, we'll see. It does say the starter box comes with, it just says everything you need to get your fleet sailing, but it doesn't say what it is. Like, okay, I'm hey, just, you don't need anything else, alright? Yeah, it's just everything in there, like, does that mean? <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah, okay, so... <laughs> Pre-orders for this happen on Wednesday, March 11th. Yeah, this week. So, hmm. I don't know. It looks cool. The miniatures look cool. I like how they're sitting on their own bases. That's yeah, really... I don't know if I do like that, actually. <coughs> so, I don't know. So, moving on. Um, Mind Management board game is up on Kickstarter. And, dadgummit, did I screw this up where I don't have a link on it? So, I'm going to have to right-click... So, the reason why I um, stuck this on here was because uh, Mind Management is a pretty uh, popular comic book, and so I kind of wanted to just, you know, let people know that this is this is out there and available. And just curious if you guys had, uh, had read it. Uh, no, I don't know if you bought it. It's, um, this is a hidden movement game, is what it will be. It will be up on Kickstarter. And one player takes the role of a recruiter looking to get immortals into their organization. The other players are looking to find them and stop them. The recruiter secretly moves around the board, plotting their movement on a little map they keep hidden. Uh, that would be a la, um, what is it, Drac the Hunt for Dracula game? Fury of Dracula? Fury of Dracula, yeah. It's got a little map with hidden movement, I think. And so, yeah. Hmm. I don't know, I'm not that crazy about little maps and hidden movement. I think it's because I just had such a bad uh, time playing Fury of Dracula. Because I was supposed to play something else, and I got suckered in playing that, and I did not like that game. So, mm. anyway. Uh, the next thing, uh, Primature Press launched their Warstarter Kickstarter. Their Warcaster Kickstarter. Sorry. They so, this is going to be, essentially, it's going to be... Um, um, sorry, there's a weird... Do you get a Never phone mind. call? Put them on. I don't know what that was. Okay. Just yeah, um, answer it on speaker. They'll be on here. Do you play any the, games, sir? I just wanted must be my to wife vote. looking for her phone. I just wanted you to see if you were going to vote for Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this uh, is what's the uh, gosh? It's radar. She's yeah. finding him via echolocation. It's here, like, you guys talk about this. I'm going to mute. It's Go like, ahead. It's like that scene in Aliens, you know, where they have the little movement things. 
is you know it's going don't don't they're don't. supposed to be right in front of us it's like they're in the that what they're in the room and it's like let me look in the ceiling oh no that's bad so yeah we talked about premature press doing this uh they're doing a kickstarter this is a futuristic war machine game uh i complained that it's uh metal miniatures instead of plastic because their metal ones were a colossal pain haha no pun intended uh pain in the ass to assemble not to mention you're only getting like uh the the infantry figures will be just be one solid chunk of metal so you really can't move them around or whatever they wanted a measly hundred grand they are up to three hundred thousand dollars with 12 days left to go and, so I yeah I thought that they, this was going to be like the uh, um, Starfinder. This is going to be that sort of their their foray into sci-fi like Pathfinder did. Uh no no no. But that's, this is miniatures. Yes yes this is okay. that's that's two different things. This is uh, Primitive Press's thing. What you're talking about was D and D is going to do sci-fi. They're doing their version. I think we talked about talked about that on uh, the last show. They're going to do their version, basically, of Starfinder, and we were kind of hoping it would be Spelljammer okay. or whatever. I, was but, th- I thought the Warcaster stuff, though, was going to be uh, role-playing, but I guess not. No, no. It's, it's a miniature game, um, and, you know, I like the figures. I really do. And I would kind of be interested in this if I wasn't already getting just fucking hammered this month with Kickstarters. It's like, you know, the core... It's the um, the the DVG Italian Frogman game, and I think I had something else. I was noticing that uh, tonight, something else that like I really wanted to do that ends uh, something. Oh yeah, there was like this pretty cool thing that I wanted to get my kid for a birthday um, that ends in a couple of weeks, and so yeah, it's just just a bad bad time I think mm. for uh, doing uh, this one. But, you know, this one is going to be available at retail. This is probably... I say that. I say that. But it should go to retail. It should go to miniature market. And, uh, yeah. Because, I mean, like, the minimum I could do is, like, it would be $70. And I would get one command group. I just think that's too much anyway. So, I think I'd rather do, you know, 20% off $70. And, yeah. Anyway. But, um... Go, you can go ahead and write this down that Adam Chance of the Chance of Gaming Podcast said this in March of 2020 that this game means the death of War Warma Hordes, War Machine and Hordes, their old game. It's, I mean, forget it. Sell your stuff now. It is going to die. They are going to, I imagine, what I believe will happen is they will slowly back away from it until they don't support it anymore, and this is all they push. So, there you go. Mm-hmm. All right. So, moving on. Roy's like, okay, he's on a rant there. Might have seen <laughs> <laughs> um, Moving on. Free League uh, is doing a Tales from the Loop starter set. And I tossed this on here because, I mean, it, we've talked about Tales from the Loop before. I think I even ended up kickstarting this RPG and ended up selling it. I have it... I have... I, the digital version on drive through RPG, but they are coming out with a uh, Amazon Prime show based around... It's not necessarily based around the RPG. It's more based around the artwork that the RPG is based on, but it's called Tales from the Loop. And I just wanted to toss this on here. 
because it'd be a nice, cool way for you to get into it. Plus, I'll toss the trailer on here for it if you haven't seen it, and it's just really neat. This will come with an illustrated rulebook explaining how to play the game, a complete adventure called The Recycled by Niles Hints. <laughs> H-I-N-T-Z-E. Hints? Heints? Niles Heints? And five pre-generated characters ready to play, a large full-color map of the Land of the Loop, I got that in the Kickstarter, and ten engraved custom dice. So, there you go. It is... MSRP's 27 bucks, and uh, I'm willing to bet this will also make it over to Miniature Market and the like. It's a really cool kind of whimsical-type RPG. If you guys are ever looking for something different, I'd recommend that. I can't really speak to like how the system compares because I don't, I didn't play it. But in reading it, it's just it's neat. It's it is a hell of a lot like Stranger Things. There's like really there's including a mechanic in there that is how adults around you influence you. Like uh, how much do they believe you when you talk about like what's going on? Like you know, holy shit, we got robots over here that are doing some crazy stuff. Mom, Dad, <laughs> can you help me? And, you know, do they, is it like, oh, you've been watching too much TV, or is it like your crazy uncle that believes everything, and he's like, all right, take me to them robots, son. So, just kind of neat. And plus, the artwork is amazing, you know. So. <clears throat> and last, but certainly not least, we have a GoFundMe that hasn't, like, had any money, like, donated to it in a long time, and it makes me sad. It makes me think, you know, no one likes us anymore. Um, I'm trying to get $250 for hosting and domain costs for a year, and we're up to 70 We're up to 70 It would be super cool, you know, if you guys could toss us a little bit of money there, something, whatever you got, you know, for pennies a day, you can uh, make sure a podcaster kind of, you know, stays on the air, and that would be awesome. If you've seen Adam's homemade T-shirts, you know how desperate he yeah, is. Yeah, it is. It's terrible. You don't want me to do that. You know, homemade T-shirts. Yeah, it's terrible. I did not wear those. Uh, I did not bring it to the thing because you know people tend to think I'm differently uh, abled when I <laughs> wear those. And I didn't even think about that when I made it. It was a joke. And then I noticed people started treating me differently and speaking down to me. And um, I was like, oh, my gosh, they think something's wrong with me. Okay. Um, yeah. So, anyway. So, there you go. I have it linked in the show notes. And, um, you know, if you met me uh, at the thing, uh, sorry, I'm so socially awkward and weird, you know. I tried to make sure. I only missed, like, one thing. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to... Um, get a demo of fighting formations and I somehow missed the communication that I was supposed to mule it. So sorry. That was that was my fault. I did that. I blame myself. So um there you go. That's so do show. I. Yeah, I know. So that's our show. Good night, <laughs> everyone. Good night, everyone. Yes, have some. Yeah. <laughs>